This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. And something that we haven't talked about in a while because of the situation with uh, demonstrations and marches uh, in honor of George Floyd, who was uh, tragically killed. And uh, China, COVID-19 has sort of taken a back burner to this. But uh, interesting uh, article in the uh, on the Global News site in regard to Chinese takeover of companies in Canada and how concerned we should be over foreign takeovers of Canadian companies uh, as uh, we are obviously uh, changing our position on China moving forward. Let's bring in Charles Burton, Senior Fellow, McDonald Laurier Institute. He is with us now. Charles, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Uh, hi. Nice to talk with you again, Scott. Uh, what is happening in uh, the United States with, with the George Floyd case and such, uh, combining that with the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, has this given China a pass for the last couple of weeks? Well, I think uh, certainly that's the case. Uh, there are concerns um, that the Chinese state will take advantage of the economic disruption of the COVID-19 um, lockdown in, in Western countries and will start buying up distressed um, enterprises in strategic areas. So I, uh, I spoke to the uh, Canadian House of Commons uh, Industry Committee yesterday about this. They're doing a study of whether we should have a temporary moratorium of takeovers by um, authoritarian state-owned uh, enterprises of Canadian um, um, strategic resources or not. And, of course, that really refers to China and other parliaments, uh, the U.K., um, India, Australia, um, and the U.S. Congress are, are also considering the same matter. There's a concern that, you know, predatory behavior by the Chinese state could take advantage of the economic weakness and snap up uh, uh, critical Canadian resources at a very reasonable price, and then China could use those acquisitions to further their strategic goals here and further their um, non-democratic authoritarian political agenda in Canada and other countries. So that's really where it's standing right now. And uh, I think that probably Canada will, in fact, decide to uh, to take some action on this because, uh, you know, other countries will be doing the same. How often does this happen? How often does the Chinese Communist Party come in and purchase a Canadian company? Well, there, you know, there has been quite a lot of these uh, purchases. There is a, a threshold of 400 and some um, million for review, although anything can be reviewed if it's seen as a national security concern. But, uh, no, throughout Canada, there are an awful lot of, uh, of enterprises, particularly in um, mining and energy sectors, where the, the Chinese state has taken control. But then we also have um, other acquisitions, like um, nursing homes in, in uh, B.C., and, uh, and um, real estate, of course, has been quite uh, a big thing. And also, I think, of quite considerable concern 
is Chinese state acquisition of Canadian media, um, Chinese language media, and the um, Chinese Communist Party's dominance of of um, social media apps like WeChat, where they're able to, by acquiring the, the newspaper or radio station or whatever, and, and by controlling the social media app, are able to impose Chinese communist censorship over communications that are taking place entirely within Canada. So um, we, we've seen uh, um, since January uh, quite a considerable number of uh, outbound merger and acquisitions. Just up to April, there were 57 um, throughout the world, amounting to 9.9 billion U.S. dollars, and 145 um, Chinese outbound investments worth about 4.5 billion. And these were in countries like uh, Canada, the U.S., U.K., Germany, France, India, Hong Kong, um, South Korea, Australia. But we expect that, um, you know, as the economic downturn continues and as, you know, Canadians are facing the prospect of unemployment and the collapse of their companies, that uh, there'll be a lot of attractiveness uh, if China comes in and offers uh you know, over market over market value for these things, and and then acquires them, and then uses that to leverage our government on various other issues. Uh, companies buy and sell all the time in various countries. Canada does the same thing. Why is it different in China? Why the concern there? Well, I think there is a, a difference. Um, you know, if Canada does an investment abroad. The idea is that we will generate profit from it. Um, you know that that's why a Canadian company would invest abroad. But with the Chinese state, they they're inclined to invest in money losing um, uh, operations to further their influence. So, you know, you have this Belt and Road project, a massive global infrastructure project designed to reorient the global economy over to China, and they will make investments in countries that don't bring about a return sometimes leveraging those um, the debt that the country that's accepted the Chinese uh, loans uh, have incurred to achieve Chinese ends, like the, you know, there's a Sri Lankan port of Hamabanota that uh, was developed by the Chinese, um, didn't generate a profit, and then in return for forgiving the debt, the Chinese got control of it for 99 years from 2017, so essentially they acquired a, a port facility through the use mm. of strategic um, economic uh, statecraft. And so I think they're concerned here that if the Chinese government gets uh, considerable control of aspects of the Canadian economy, that they will have more influence with um, the government over um, political decisions that would include um, whether we crack down on Chinese state espionage in our country or what we do in response to the um, to the detaining of Kovrick and Spaver or how we deal with Meng Wanzhou or do we um, do we address uh, express concern in international fora and take action with regard to Chinese domestic human rights abuse, like the um, the genocide, you know, cultural genocide program against the Muslims in in the Northwest? So, um, and aside from which, Chinese firms tend to be able to use their ability to access the resources of the Chinese state, including intelligence resources to serve other aspects of Chinese state companies through um, purloining technologies, either by, you know, making it conditional on the acquisition of a Canadian company that the Chinese would have access to technology, or um, using uh, cyber espionage that they're able to 
access because of their connection with the Canadian company, or in fact uh, using agents who work within the company to obtain the technology and and steal it without paying the licensing fees. So we see an awful lot of this going on, and I, I think that's why at a time of economic disruption, so many countries are having their, their governments look into the possibility of Chinese predatory, Chinese state predatory activities and trying to see if we can take measures to keep that under control and ensure that foreign investments in Canada are to the net benefit of Canada. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Is China not having its own difficulty with COVID-19? Do they have the cash to go on a buying spree? Well, they're a state, and so, you know, they, they yeah. have the ability to, to generate income such as, uh, as we can't. So, you know, they, they have the resources if they feel it's in their interest to get into a further debt position, um, they will. Uh, obviously, we've seen the appetite towards... Uh... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Chinese Communist Party changed since COVID-19. How do you think Canadians are going to react to this suggestion? I mean, is this a a slam dunk? I mean, it, it appears that everybody is extremely cautious of anything coming out of China these days. Yeah, I think that's true. I'm, uh, you know, the the question is that if you have a Canadian um, company that's failing and, you know, could be having to put their workers out of work and close down their facilities and a Chinese investor comes along offering a lot of money for uh, to to buy it, um, you know, obviously that's something that that people would welcome because they don't want to be out of a job. Um, so there is that economic imperative. I think but I think that you're right. I think there is more of a cross-partisan consensus in Canada that we have to pay attention to the um, economic statecraft of the People's Republic of China and that Chinese investments are different from those of any other nation of the world that invests in Canada because they're not strictly profit-driven but driven by the overall interests of the Chinese state and their their longer-term planning in terms of of gaining leverage in Western democracies and suppressing um, forces that are hostile to their to the way that they function domestically and internationally. So, you know, it, it's it's. I think within Canada, there's a high degree of consensus, and uh, our allies, like-minded allies in the countries I mentioned, have the same sorts of concerns. So we'll probably see some fairly coordinated uh, response to this. But, you know, that being said, China is a very important economy in the world. We need to trade with them. And certainly we would welcome Chinese investment, providing it doesn't come with strings attached that we'll come to regret very much later. How is China viewing what is happening in the United States right now? Well, you know, the Chinese government are making hay over propaganda and suggesting that you know, the U.S. system is a failure uh, first of all, they, the Chinese suggest that democracies are not uh, efficient in dealing with pandemics like uh, COVID-19, and they issued a white paper, a government white paper, about three days ago, where they explain how, 
from their perspective, the Chinese um, one-party authoritarian system under the their strongman leader Xi Jinping has been the best uh, government to address the the pandemic. Um, I think there, you know, I think there are a lot of things in that document that seem pretty questionable and a lot of information which. Uh, is not entirely honest, particularly with especially the, considering the, this pandemic originated there. Yes, and that and that you know we believe that one of the reasons that it spread so badly throughout the world is because the Chinese government was not forthcoming early enough to the WHO, uh, so that we could make so we could have made the appropriate preparations in terms of closing our borders to Chinese travel and and uh, doing more contract tracing earlier on to stop the spread. So. You know, whenever the Chinese government issues a white paper, you get suspicious that they're trying to hide something. You know, they issue white papers on how they abide by international norms of human rights and white papers about Tibet, where they suggest that Tibetans are very happy with um, leaders, you know, a different nationality, um, ruling them out of a place far away, Beijing, and so on. So the fact that they've issued a white paper suggests to me that they're feeling threatened, and I think they're concerned that the truth will come out about how it went with COVID-19, and that the world will want to make them accountable for for them being instrumental in thousands and thousands of unnecessary deaths here in Canada and elsewhere. Uh, we remember uh, a few weeks ago when uh, the Huawei CFO was uh, in a BC Superior Court trying to get uh, their extradition case tossed out. Uh, we also remember the the uh, the photo op that was taken on the steps of the BC Supreme Court a, a couple of days earlier. Uh, it certainly, I guess, their team certainly thought that they would be victorious in all of this. And then we remember hearing the judge's decision, and the case will proceed as as scheduled. And at that point, everybody was waiting for. Uh, the retaliation from China. Uh, they even said that it would be swift and and uh, and severe. Are you surprised we still haven't heard anything on that yet? Uh, yeah, I'd expected to see uh, an angry, uh, you know, petulant response from the Chinese regime. I think what really happened here, you know, when you saw, as you say, when you saw the the photo op, I think the Chinese regime wanted to show that. Look, we, you know, we were able to pressure those Canadians into into doing what we wanted, which is to release Meng Wanzhou. When that didn't happen, and you know, the fact that it didn't happen has nothing to do with our government; it's entirely an independent judicial decision. But when that didn't happen, the Chinese, I think, gained some respect for us in not caving into their menacing and threats and and the uh, hostage diplomacy and the arbitrary um, violations of trade contracts causing billions of dollars of, of losses to Canadian farmers and so on. So I think that, uh, you know, by standing up to China and showing a bit of backbone, then we gain uh, the respect of the Chinese regime and they, they back off from, from these uh, lurid um, um, threats that they make and, and engaging in Petty, you know, violations of the international rules-based order in trade and diplomacy, which, which are designed to put us in our place. So, I, I think that that's the fact that the decision didn't go the way the Chinese government went. I think probably caused Beijing to rethink um, how they should be addressing Canada. And any more information on the two Michaels as a result of this? No, and as far as I know, we've had no consular access. Um, you know, even though it could easily be arranged, even if our if they wouldn't let our, our diplomats 
go to the prison and meet them behind plexiglass or whatever, you know, we could be doing it through electronic means, some um, uh, video call or telephone call. And I think the U.S. has been able to access some of their people that way. So, you know, they're not allowing us access to Kovrigan's favor, I think, is is simply designed to try and uh, pressure Canada further. And, of course, I, the you know, the real fear behind this is, in fact, that Kovrig or favor or both are not in good condition, and the Chinese government doesn't want us to know about that. Oh, my. Charles Burton has been with us, Senior Fellow, McDonald laurier Institute, talking about uh, Canadian companies being taken over. Uh, by the Chinese Communist Party or those that are funded from them. Charles, thanks so much for the time and insight as always. Be well. Take care. Good to speak with you again. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.